welcome back to Watch the Game, presented by the Nation Network. I'm your host, Sam Blazer, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, friend, and confidant, Cam Lewis. Cam, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Fantastic. We're back after, what, like an eight, nine-month hiatus? Uh, and yeah, we're here like to eight, talk like about eight. hockey. Yeah. What was that? This time, I, this time we're planning on um, doing it for the full season and not stopping halfway through. Exactly. I, I won't give them uh, ridiculous excuses like uh, having eaten too much Mexican food or uh, my dog's getting sick all the time, which were all I can't legitimate record, excuses. I can't record the podcast because I'm looking for parking in downtown Columbus and I'm not familiar with the area. <laughs> that is not true. I am very familiar with downtown Columbus, but uh, we're here to talk about hockey. We're not here to talk about Cam and I's lives. Maybe that's a offshoot podcast that we can have at some point in time, but uh we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference today, and then next week we're going to talk about the Western Conference before the season starts. Uh, the Eastern Conference should be interesting this year, considering the Metropolitan Division is stacked once again, and there are some people, uh, or some teams rather, that are going to try to compete and knock off the teams that made it last year. Obviously, you have the Penguins, the Capitals, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes, Rangers. Uh, a lot of these teams are vying for playoff spots, and it's going to be tough this year. Uh, what's the team on your end, Cam, that you're most excited to watch this year and the team that you think is going to take the biggest step up? Oh, geez. I'm excited to watch the Columbus Blue Jackets, of course. Cause you don't have to just say I'm, that. <laughs> I'm very excited to see whether they can um, continue to actually be good or if last year was just a bunch of nonsense. No, I'm actually I'm not excited about the Blue Jackets. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, excited. I'm excited because I'm generic and vanilla. I'm excited about the Carolina Hurricanes because they finally acquired a goalie who can probably be slightly above average compared to what they've been rolling out for the past decade with Cam Ward, who was only good in the 2006 Stanley Cup Finals and rode that forever, which is very frustrating. It's like if only he had been as bad as he has been in the past like eight years in that Stanley Cup Finals, the Oilers would have a, a Stanley Cup. But that was 10 years ago. I don't need to be thinking about that anymore. The Oilers are a playoff team again, so it doesn't matter. Don't have to sit here and stress out about 2006 anymore. But yeah, I'm excited for the I'm excited for the Hurricanes. I think they're like their 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 defense is ridiculously good. They move the puck like super well. They've had good fancy stats for quite some time, but they've had dog shit goaltending for you know for a long ass time. And now Scott Darling comes into the picture and should make them I don't know at least competitive for a playoff spot. No, I I agree too. They're they're definitely my dark horse. I think in my predictions that I did for first Ohio battery, uh, I think I had them uh, fourth. I think I had them jumping above the New York Rangers. They're a team that I they I easily, in my opinion, they have the best defense in the league. I don't think there's a, a team that really comes close. They're, they have players that on their bottom pairing that could honestly play on uh, first pairing a lot of other teams in the league. Um their forwards are coming along. Uh, Aho Skinner. It's they're a fun, fun, fun team, and I'm really excited to see if they can continue on and make it uh, and progress. They, they you see bits and pieces here and there, and you're like, oh man, this team's going to be good. Or you see like the fundamentals of like a, a great team being formed, but it hasn't come together yet. And so they're the in vogue pick. Uh, but I'm excited to see them. Do you think like I every single year? It does not matter. The past three, four years. I always, always think that the Rangers are going to drop off. They lost Stepan. Uh, they added Shattenkirk. They also lost their backup, Auntie Ranta, uh, both to, uh, uh, Stepan and Ranta both to Arizona. Are are you bullish on them, or what, what are your thoughts on the Rangers this year? No, everybody always says the Rangers are going to collapse, but they never do. They're, they're a good team. I mean, they have... 
they have a lot of depth up from like a lot of solid players that you you just kind of look at their roster and you think wow this is really underwhelming like you know rick nash is not that good anymore you know mark stahl isn't that good um henrik lindquist isn't you know one of the best goals in NHL anymore but this team's still like loaded with depth and i mean adding kevin shattenkirk to the picture is huge i don't i really i'd be shocked if they miss the playoffs the only reason i think yeah no i i with um with the division format you i mean there's a there's a possibility that a good team could be on the outside looking in but i'd be shocked if the rangers finished you know ninth in the east behind four different teams in the atlantic that'd be shocking because i'd, I'd be that because that would involve them finishing behind the team like boston or ottawa which i just don't see i don't necessarily see it either uh but i i, I feel like at some point it's got to happen because it seems like the downward trend has started uh, losing step on there, I think is tough. I don't know who they're going to fill it in with. I, I think Kevin Hayes is the plan at the moment, which, you know, Kevin Hayes is a good player, but I don't know if he can end up filling in a role like step on, but step on wasn't a high end first, uh, number, you know, number one center anyway. So there's not that necessarily huge shoes to fill, but I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do because I think that they have a little more firepower on defense. Getting rid of Girardi is uh, an addition by subtraction there. That's huge. Yeah. And I think it's gonna it's gonna be fun to see if they're gonna be able to step up. I and then you take a look down and you go down the Metropolitan Division. You take a look at the Blue Jackets, Islanders, Flyers. I feel like those it's unknown there. the The Islanders have Tavares. They added Eberle. I like what they're doing there. Their defense is gonna can get a little bit younger. They have some. They have a lot of prospects. Jose, uh, Pulak, uh, Del Cole. They they can make some noise there. And I'm I'm wondering if those players can develop and make something out of it because they are always hanging around, but they're never anything fantastic. And after the fire of Jack Capuano last year, they they really did some uh, good stuff. And then the Flyers, uh, they had, obviously added Nolan Patrick, Voracek's always solid, uh, Giroux's always solid, but it, they also are one of those teams that they they held on to some of these players that like from the past they're good but you don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to push them over the top they feel like a fringe team along with the islanders and the blue jackets i feel like there's a lot of unknowns there i i have them uh fourth of my predictions for the site that i write for first ohio battery and i think that's the right spot i think that's the right spot to put them just because i think they're still going to be good i think panarin fills in that role but losing gagne and hartnell is tough, but you have uh, Dubois, Milano, and a couple of other younger guys that are ready to step up, and I, I think have shown enough to at least fill in uh, some of the lower-end talent there. Uh, what do you think of those three teams? Do you think those three teams have any shot of competing, or are you? Uh, or what, what are your thoughts on them? I mean, the Islanders were good last year after they fired Jack Capuano when Doug Wade came in. They went 24-12-4. and four. I mean, if you keep, they're not going to keep up that kind of winning percentage, but I mean, the Islanders look like they were a team on the rise 2014, 15, 15, 16, made the playoffs. Um, and then everything just kind of like fell apart. I, I, yeah, no, you could definitely see the thing with the, the thing with the division is that there's a bunch of teams kind of in the middle. I think it's pretty clear that Pittsburgh and Washington are the superior teams still in the division, but there's a pretty big mix of everybody else. All the other six teams, I guess, save for the Devils. I don't think they're very good. But that that jumble of five teams, it really could go any way. And I think a lot of it will just come down to circumstance. A lot of it will just come down to who has an injury, who doesn't, who has a goalie that plays well, who has a rookie that breaks out. I don't think there's – like the Flyers, Rangers, Islanders, Blue Jackets, and Hurricanes, I don't think any team really stands out as good or bad. And two of those teams could – you know, it's it, you could just basically draw a name out of a hat – and that, that team will make the playoffs. 
is kind of how I view it. The only thing that I think that may be the saving grace of the Blue Jackets is the development of Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, because I think that is maybe one of the best uh, number one pairs in the entire league, just looking at it, even from a, like, obviously I'm a homer, but from an objective standpoint, man, like, they're like all like under twenty three. They're like both scored over forty points last year. Their like Corsi four percentage is like through the roof, and you they're only going to get better, and it's absolutely outstanding. And I think if they keep can uh, you know progressing, it could happen. Rensky though the the sophomore slump is I think a real thing, and you don't really know if he's going to be able to perform up to the way he did. But he's going to get a lot of opportunities this year in the power play. And Panarin joining that unit uh, after Saad didn't actually – he played in the second unit for the Blue Jackets last year, but even then he'd, uh, he didn't even see a lot of time there. So I think that Panarin could be a really interesting add to a power play that was uh, fantastic last oh, year. One other, thing, one other thing about this division is even just like who the fuck cares who make the playoffs because I don't think any of those five teams is going to get past Pittsburgh or Washington. No, I, I, mean, don't, I don't think so either. I, I, don't think, I, I don't, it's kind of like a participation trophy thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be one of like the third or fourth place team that you know gets a playoff series, like the Blue Jackets last year. It was like, okay, cool, we got a playoff series. <laughs> there was no point where anybody thought they were beating the Penguins. No, and I I, I agree with that. I think the only way that's going to happen is if you develop a player that is almost on the level of like a Crosby, a Malkin or a Dovechkin, you know, a player that can absolutely displace them has a game changing ability. And I think that's the main reason why the blue jackets traded, uh, for Panarin. Cause they thought he could be on that level, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I think the reason why, uh, the Islanders traded Strom for Eberle is they thought that Eberle could give them a little something different as well. So I, because Eberle was huge in the playoffs last year for the Oilers. It was. They're going to get a big, big-ass boost there. <laughs> As an Oilers fan, you're going to have to tell Oilers fans all about it. What, oh what exactly God. did he do last year? Oh, fuck. Uh, a, lot of, a, a lot of shots from the outside. A lot of uh, coming in on the blue line and doing like a button hook and <laughs> kind of taking like a soft wrist shot from slightly inside the point. A lot of that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like Gaming <laughs> Corsi? Yeah, it's just funny because we were told for so long after he scored that one huge goal at the World Juniors in, I think, 2009 or 2010 that, okay, once the Oilers get in the playoffs, it's time to shine. And then he plays 13 games and puts up, like, two points. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not an Oilers uh, anti-Everly truther or anything. He's, he's, a, he's a fantastic player. It was just, like, it was really funny after expecting for so long that he was going to be so great in the playoffs for him to lay such an egg. Well, that's what's weird about young teams, too, is that a lot of these guys are either playing in the uh, you know NCAA or they're playing in the uh, junior o- like OHL obviously and the or the WHL you know any of those leagues and they're not playing the, these amount of games and they're not playing against the, like, these size of guys so then when they get there it's like zero legs whatsoever and obviously it's not the case with Everly at the time but I I think about that often when you have somebody like with the Rangers they had uh, Jimmy Vc last year and he just completely fell off a cliff after starting quick. Yep. And I don't think that has an indication of the player. I think he'll be okay. I don't think he's going to, you know, be a 60-point player someday. But I could see him hovering around 30, 40 points for the rest of his career. But you, you could just see him just... And I really am hoping that at some point in time, uh, you know, these young players can develop. Because I think the Penguins winning is whatever. But I, I think it's more interesting when there is parity. Are you one of those people like that? Or do I am you not so really sorry. I am extremely sick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I am. <laughs> I, was, I was furious when they beat San Jose. I, I quite like that Sharks team. I was furious when they beat the Predators. 
and I will be furious next year if they win again. I am sick of that team. I would love for someone new to win. I was very disappointed that uh, Washington didn't come out of the East, or even if the Senators had come out of the East, somebody. I'm just like, ah, I just want to see a different team win. I'm, I'm bored of the Penguins. They can go off and disappear. That would be great. So they're, ta- they're, ta- The thing about the Penguins that I find so frustrating is that they have, they have so much high-end skill, but they're so boring. No, that's, that's what stings. Like, yeah, a lot of the end-to-end rushes don't happen. What ends up happening is they end up setting up on the power play, and they're like they're fantastic shooters. They're great passers. So you have Phil Kessel, like you know, like a ball out. hockey team. It's true, <laughs> they're all about system, and they just kind of they stand around in their spots and they they play their. I mean, it, it, like props to them for being so good at it, but they they employ this system where it's so much standing still and so much cycling and so much you know like getting into the right spot and shooting and there's so little action it's it's very futuristic hockey and it's very worried it's very it's very troublesome if you if you're thinking about the future of the game and how teams are going to build their strategy for the future if they're going to follow what the penguins are doing now then it's going to be boring as hell they'll wear some teams down for sure and i think that the way that they progress and the way that they i want i don't think malkin or crosby are going to fall off a cliff by any uh any means whatsoever but i think that there's going to be some drop off i think there's going to be something that happens there their their defense still isn't that great and i think about that a lot is that latang's good yeah schultz is fine uh mata is you know also completely okay but they got away with it last year and i think a team can really really take advantage of that if they go after but they last year it was just basically like ping pong as soon as it came that down there they just hit it out as is anybody as is anybody in the east going to beat that team this year in the playoffs <laughs> barring something like a matt murray injury or barring a, another crosby concussion or malcolm leaving to play in russia or something I, yeah. I don't see it either i really can't see it uh, who is it going to be like the leafs aren't there yet i think tampa bay is a good team i i think quite seriously as dumb as it sounds like a team that could beat them is a team like ottawa who plays that just like you know bullshit like mid-2000s like gritty pucks to the net block shots uh like get out shot massively like you know like that 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 just that underdog style thing where just like they're not that good but they can kind of just like gunk their way to a win like that's who's gonna beat them someone like that and that's what's so weird about the team uh, last year with the Penguins in the playoffs, when the Blue Jackets played them, they out like the Blue Jackets outshot them like uh, like five like almost every single game, and uh, but the scoring chances ended up being like close. Is like they totally let everything go to the outside. They'll let it just keep happening, and their defensemen aren't necessarily that fast. They're actually like slow and plotting for the most part. And uh, obviously with Latang injured and you know Schultz taking like a brunt of the ice time, it's tough to you know really like put a lot of. I guess oomph behind that statement, but it's interesting if they, they're going to do that again. And I don't think they will. I think that there's going to be there if they has to get down to that point, they will. But I I think that they're going to try to repeat. They're going to try to do some different stuff because last year was much closer than I think any Penguins fan wants to admit. The Sens, yeah, the Sens, the Sens pushing to the brink. They they had them in overtime game seven. It was right there. It was right there. It was right there. It was it was close. But and I mean, we, the Sens are they're not good, but they they. They they they're pesky. They're like the little engine that could. <laughs> That's true. Now before we cl- uh, close out the Metropolitan Division, I want to talk about the New Jersey Devils just for a second. Where do you think that they need help? 
you know, overall. Because their offense, they have some uh, players there. They have uh, Nico Heischer. They have uh, McLeod. They have Pavel Zaka. They have some, like, young guys there. Will Butcher is the, really all they have on defense for the, the young core. Do you think defense is where they really, really need to, like, uh, circle in now? Because they have Damon Severson, who's pretty darn good. But then after that, you look at it and you're like, John Moore doesn't, uh, you know, inspire much confidence. <laughs> Where, where where are you on that team, and like how far away do you think they are from competing from another, uh, uh, you know, for the playoffs again? And the team is just extremely mediocre. There's just so much. There's there's so there's so little to like about the Devils. I mean, it's, they really lucked out with that first overall pick, and that's that's obviously huge for their future, adding like a likely a top center. But I mean, I would be shocked if they competed for a playoff spot this season. Even though like the the only way they could do it is if Corey Schneider goes like off the like off the chain and it's just phenomenal but oh, I, I don't think i don't think they have a chance to compete this season but what do you think that like in the future though? like do you think they're I like mean, two three years away or do you think that they're closer i hope for their sake they're closer because taylor hall signed for three more seasons and if they can't make something happen in that window then he's gone there's no way he's sticking around the new jersey if i mean the guy you know started his career with the oilers when they were terrible and then he went to new jersey who's terrible and then the oilers became good and it's like this guy is now 25 turning 26 this year and he's going to be you know in his like eighth season in the league still nowhere near a playoff appearance so it's like you basically have three more seasons with this guy and if you don't make a push then you're screwed so like the devils are going to have to do something they're going to have to get aggressive in like the trade market free agency somewhere because i mean man i don't know this team this team's just desolate it looks hopeless they do they definitely do i i i really feel bad for them because i think they're trying to do the full rebuild but then some of the good players that they do have i think will end up leaving so it may extend the rebuild a little bit longer and so i wonder if they do a little bit of the uh uh the toronto maple leafs model there and you know just do it real quick just sell off these pieces see what they can get and see if they, i mean if you sell off a taylor hall man you're gonna get a lot of good pieces there yeah you can get a second pairing right hand <laughs> oh yeah baby i love it now that's what the that's what the devils need right now actually is a good right hand defenseman ironically enough exactly maybe maybe i mean there's a there's a very there's a, there's a very adam larson sized hole on that devil's team <laughs> oh brother i i don't want to hear any more of that from you uh, let's move over to the uh, Atlantic Division and talk a little bit about them. Because if we think that five teams are going to make it in the Metro, which I think is kind of a, a common sentiment throughout the media, who are the three teams that make here? Because it seems like it's going to be, at least for me, Lightning, Maple Leafs, and then you know you have Canadians, Senators, Bruins, maybe Sabres, Panthers competing. I don't. I think the only team that uh, I will be bottom of the barrel there. And won't really have a chance to Detroit Red Wings. Do you agree with that, or, or yeah, do you no, have I a different? I would I would count uh, Buffalo and Detroit out. I'd probably count the Panthers out too, to be honest. And I don't know. Yeah, the um, it's hard to say that uh, Montreal isn't right in the picture because I mean they've been so solidly in there for so long. It's also hard to say if like you know the Leafs won't suffer from some kind of sophomore slump or the added. Pr- pressure because last year they you know flew around and there was no pressure on the team whatsoever this year they're actually expected to take a step forward from being you know a team that beat washington twice in the first round and people are expecting okay like get to the second round get to the conference finals that's like a lot of that's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress for guys going into their second full season so i don't know it's it's this division is kind of a crapshoot probably more so than the metro division because the metro division you have a bunch of good teams whereas this you have a bunch of solid teams that are pretty flawed 
Mm-hmm. I think. I, no, I, I agree with that sentiment. I think the ones that have legitimate shot at the first like seed overall in the uh, you know Atlantic Division are the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Canadians, and Bruins. I think those are the ones that have legitimate. I think anyone else there in that division has a chance maybe to make the playoffs, except for the Red Wings. But I think that the Maple Leafs and Lightning are probably the class of the division. If I had, to, if I you know, gun to my head, had to make a decision on it. I I like the Lightning, even though they didn't, you know, make the playoffs last year. So I, are you with me on that? Do you like the Lightning, or are you? Uh, I agree. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same spot with the Lightning. I, I think yeah, I think kind of what happened to them last year is kind of the sentiment that I had in the Metro Division, in that like a lot of it comes down to circumstance. I mean, um, with in the case of the Lightning, Stamkos got injured, and Ben Bishop had a piss poor season, and those two things basically guttered their entire year, and they finished, you know, 10th in the East. And that could easily happen to anybody. That could happen to the Blue Jackets. Say, I don't know, Panarin gets hurt, misses 50 games, and Bobrovsky turns into a pumpkin, and they're only going to win, you know, 40 games. And it's it's that, like, razor thin. But I do think the Lightning are pretty easily the best team in this division on paper heading into the year. I don't think, you know, Montreal, Toronto, or Boston are, you know, quite up there yet i'm i'm i like the maple leafs i really do i think austin matthews is going to be uh obvious you you hear about him all the time from toronto people so you know you kind of get sick of him but he really is fantastic and i think if he with how young he was and if he can adjust even more to this league i think he can you know really 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 make some noise even like not necessarily get to the Connor mcdavid level but you know get a like a, a level below it really get between you know 75 85 points i think that's a a a good i think there's a good chance that to happen for him and if that happens i think that the the maple leafs are competing for that top spot um the canadians i i like i like what they're doing a little bit i no, you don't it's so bad no, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not talking about they like a, they're like fourth liners that they keep, or like the multiple defensemen that they keep bringing in. Uh, all the shutdown D, no top center. They brought in, they they refused to use Galchenyuk as a center. But they brought in Drew on a winger, and they want to make him a center, and it's just ludicrous. And now there's Carl Alsner and Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie and all these shutdown defensemen, and nobody that can actually move the puck. It's they're rough. <laughs> if I'm being honest, they're rough around the edges. But I, whatever whatever reason, they always end up making it, and it's a lot of it has to do with Carey Price. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, I th- they're going to make it there. And I think they would be a, obviously a tough out just because of the way that they're composing this team. And Druin uh, is, I think, a great player, but I don't know if he's going to be the this like 70, 80-point player that they want him to be. Now, you didn't seem too high on the Buffalo Sabres. I want to know why that why that's the case. Do you think Jack Eichel is too hyped uh, too hyped up? Not going to make take the next step, or is this team just still so weak uh, on defense? I think some of their additions, I think, were pretty good and will allow to have more depth. That's I think that's why they may take the next step and may compete for the playoffs. Yeah, I just I just don't see much of a reason to get too hyped on Buffalo right now. I mean, they had you know like a, a solid off season where they made some additions they upgraded their blue line marcos candela i mean they added it they uh dumped down bilesma bringing in phil housley i don't know like a lot of something good could happen but it's just it, i don't know we've been saying this the buffaloes are like the oilers east and we've we, we've said it for so many years now that okay yeah like this team is going to take a step forward but it just doesn't happen it's kind of like a i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell myself it's gonna happen i'm gonna wait until it actually just does i'm not gonna i don't i just don't i just don't see them like hopping over a team like montreal or toronto now 
No, I, I, I could totally see that, too. Because Robin Leonard had one heck of uh, a year last year, and I think I was kind of under the radar. And he had a great year, and they still didn't do so hot, which is kind of... Like, no, they had great goaltending, because Andres Nilsson was phenomenal, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, really good goaltending, and they're, that's which is impressive, because their blue line was a tire fire. And Jack Eichel led the team in scoring, but he missed 21 games. It's just like their team's a gong show. Evander Kane seemingly always injured. Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhardt. You know, they have some pieces. Uh, the other uh, Nylander, Akposo, was injured for the end of last year, obviously with a the condition there. So I think there's some pieces that can come in and make some noise. I think they're going to compete, but if there's only three teams making it, I think they're probably part of the cutoff too. But I want to ask you this question. is If you had to put the like the Eastern Conference into tiers overall, where where would you put like the like you know these teams? Who's in tier one for you? Is it just the Penguins and Capitals there, and then you have to move down to tier yeah. two? Tier one's definitely just the Penguins and Capitals. I'd say tier two, a team tier two would be teams. There's like tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier two is big, and it's good teams that could make the playoffs and win a couple rounds. And if all hell breaks loose with Pittsburgh and Washington, they could beat them. My tier two would be Tampa Bay. Toronto, uh, the Rangers, and I'd say Montreal as well. And then the bottom half of that tier would be, you know, the the Bruins, the Sabres, Blue Jackets, Islanders, and Flyers. And then the bottom are the teams like uh, Buffalo, Detroit, and the Devils, who just like they're not making the playoffs next year. Hurricanes in there's tier only two. Three, there's two, Hurricanes in tier two. Yeah, in the bottom half of tier two. Interesting. I I like I like where your head's at. I think I would probably split up tier two and tier three a little bit more. I think the I would go with the tier two, keep the Rangers up there. Maybe split tier three and then have a tier four where you know those bad clubs are there. You know the the Devils, the the Red Wings, the Sen. Dude, the we talked about the Senators a little bit, and I really don't know where to like to do any. I don't know what to say about them. Because I think that they're flawed, and if you have a couple players injured at any point in time, you look at their lineup, uh, at least offensively, and you think to yourself, I have no idea how this team is ever going to score goals. No, it makes no sense. They're, just, <laughs> they're, that team that, they're that team that looks like ass over an 82-game sample size, but if they can manage to squeak into the playoffs, then like in a seven-game sample size, it's not quite as ridiculous. Because, you know, there's a lot more element of randomness over that. You know, seven game, there there isn't enough time for the law of averages to kind of pan out. And that's how a team like Ottawa, you know, gets through the first and second round like they did last year. And if they get in, I mean, I could see that happening again. They have Eric Carlson who can play, you know, 40 minutes a night and be phenomenal. A goalie that can, you know, um, like steal you a game. And then some like big, pretty skilled forwards that can, you know, pop goals and then just a gritty team otherwise. I they're they're odd for me, and I never want to count them out. And I, I don't love how people this year are saying, "Oh, they're going to miss." They're they're automa- that- yeah, automatically everyone just write them off no matter what. Like you can just win two playoff rounds and take the Penguins to seven games, something that nobody's done in the past two years. It's just just like that. It's like, oh yeah, they're so bad. I mean, there's <laughs> obviously something sense. there. You you really can't do that. <laughs> I I don't think. I, they're they're going to be tough to face, and obviously when they ha- they have a defenseman like Eric Carlson on there, you he changes games. He's the he's the defensive equivalent to uh, you know Sidney Crosby, and he keeps them in games single handedly at times. Scores a, scores them a goal, gives them a, an insane assist. Um, it's nuts. I I n- never know what to do with them in these kind of predictions, and I think 
that put, putting them in the middle of these kind of predictions is like the safe move. <laughs> you do, you don't want to you know ever get too high on them. Never want to get too low. Uh, but moving uh, away from you know the predictions, I want to hear about some of the individual players. That you like? Is there any players in the Eastern Conference that you think are like underrated that you should uh, that we should be higher on overall? Oh geez, I, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'm I'm in a I'm in a standings mode right now. I haven't I've, I haven't thought too much about the players outside of the Western Conference, to be honest. Do you know what's kind of nuts to me is that a 34 year old Jason Pominville is on the Buffalo Sabers. That's yeah, like, that's hilarious. You're like, wait, what? That that's a thing. And then Benoit Pouliot is also on the Sabers. Benoit Pouliot is on the Sabers. Yeah, I, I I'm now on the Sabers kick where I'm like. I kind of like. Are you look up and down that roster? And I don't know. There's there's pieces there that I think you, you can kind of get hyped up about. Uh, but talk, talking about uh, some underrated players, even in the Metro Metropolitan Conference, there's a lot of players that you could be really high on. Uh, I mean, shoot, even on the, the Hurricanes, you have Jacob Slavin. He's someone that he, everyone's now picking as like the invoke. Like, do you have you heard of this guy? Have you seen this guy? He's pretty good, huh? It's like obviously he's. Uh, you know, a good player, but he's. Uh, I think he's going to soon be rated. <laughs> he's not going to be underrated. He may uh, start going to overrated, depending. But he has good numbers overall. Uh, I think another player that I really, really like um, in the Metropolitan Division, and of course, I'm going to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets here a little bit, is uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand. He's someone who last year, if you look at his points per 60 compared to other players in the league, obviously small sample size, like a little less than 30 games, but his points per 60 were up there with like Crosby and these other players. And if he can get going and if he can get a good centerman, because at this point, the centermen for the Blue Jackets do not look too hot. It's going to be uh, Wenberg, Dubinsky, third line question mark you may see Felino fill in there you may see uh Dubois uh you know take the reins there and then you have Lucas Sedlak on the fourth line I think they're going to end up putting Bjorkstrand on the third line and if they put him there he's going to need someone feeding him the puck and I think the only, that's the only way that he's going to be held back so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that he's gonna have a breakout year but if he does get somebody to feed him the puck I could totally totally see him reaching 40 50 points this year um and easily getting 20 goals he's just that good and he's that dynamic i think when he has the the puck on his stick um but when i moving over to the uh, atlantic division the player that i'm really interested in seeing um uh, possibly take a next step for the uh the sabers is someone like jake mccabe i know he's not you fucking love the sabers eh? <laughs> you're just crazy about these guys i'm i'm not crazy about you them love these just... sabers you love I, these Sabres. You're I, the only Sabres fan out there. You're the only one that believes so. in these boys. I'm, I, I'm not going to do what I did last year when I predicted the Anaheim Ducks after like the first three games and miss the playoffs. But <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do it again in the uh, Winter Western Conference preview next week. Oh, God. But uh, I, I like I like Jake McCabe. I think he's a good player on a defense that is you know not too hot, but they, they're trying to retool it, retool it rather. I think that they could, uh, you know, make a little bit of noise. And I think he's a player that could step up and with more ice time uh, make a real difference. Um, Another player that I really like is on the um, Boston Bruins. And I think the Ryan Spooner, the uh, Kenny Agostino, those kind of players are just crazy under the radar for whatever reason. And they always score. And you only hear about Krejci, you only hear about Bergeron. Pasternak, there. Those are the guys that get all the the 
the Lottis, but I think there's like uh, guys who are in the NHL for a while, chaired up there, come up. I think that they could be some interesting people to come up. They're not going to be these in vogue picks for like some breakout stars, but they could be underrated because they're definitely going to get some ice time this year. Uh, do you have like a rookie of the year in your mind? Do you think any of the guys that are drafted this year are going to make an impact, or do you think that this is going to be a class that is going to go back to the uh, the junior leagues and then uh, maybe the, year the first two the first two picks will be good uh, Patrick and Heischer for New Jersey and Philadelphia I mean obviously that's I mean pretty much what to it's pretty much inevitable but I don't think any any like mid first is going to just like jump off the table and like kick everyone's ass but still I have like the same sentiment towards the Eastern conferences all of this is kind of just like I say this every single time we talk about it but all of this is just kind of like middle ground hoopla before the inevitable <laughs> like penguins and capital series in the second round that basically decides who comes out of the eastern conference no i i agree with that i think that talking about it you obviously have to talk about it but those players the amount of they, shit for the amount of shit that the nba gets from nhl fans for being predictable well, i think the nhl is very predictable as well especially oh, in the yeah. east you, de- you definitely I could i don't think so much in the west but i think the east is like it's it's just it, there's like a script that's it's very easy to predict a player that I like for possibly, you know, rookie to, to, uh, to come out is Charlie McAvoy for the Bruins. Obviously, it's a pretty easy pick. You're not really, you know, re- reinventing the wheel by picking him. But I like what he did last year in his small little time in the playoffs. And I think he could really step up. Uh, I think the Senators are going to give Shabbat a long look. It's not necessarily confirmed yet um, by any stretch. But I think with what they have, they're going to have to do that. <laughs> they you look at it they have Johnny Oduya they have you know Frederick Clayson they're they're big they're super big on Clayson uh Fanof uh CC they're but I think that they're gonna have to give Shabbat a look just because and, and it may not you know even be at the beginning of the year but I think at some point he's gonna come in and he's gonna try to uh or he's gonna tear up the league a little bit but I I'm, it's tough for predicting these rookies just because a lot of them depending on the coach and like depending if it's like raining on a Tuesday, they may like, you know, bench a rookie. That's just, that's just how this league works, which is kind of disappointing comparatively to other leagues. But if, if a player, uh, if a coach doesn't get along with a player and they don't like what he's doing, he, you know, he may end up being the next person on the chopping block. So it's tough to predict them unless you hear like a lot of uh, praise beforehand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really a fan of predicting individual player stuff. I don't know. Just not my thing. Oh, that is, you know, so we're on a podcast and you don't want to talk. I get it. All right. I understand. Well, I mean, I've already just rambled on for so long. <laughs> it's all good. Well, hey, uh, appreciate you talking. We're going to actually be back in just a moment uh, with our, our guest for the evening. And we are back, and I am now joined by Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for Hockey Buzz, and he also has his own podcast, Hockey Hurts. Uh, Ryan, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. And we're here today to talk a little bit about the Penguins and the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it was a conference they dominated last year. Do you think that the Penguins this year are still the team to beat? Do you think the window is closing, or is there uh, is there a way to beat this team? Uh, is probably the better question. Um, I think they're one of the favorites, but when you look up and down the Eastern Conference, you have a weird mix of teams like the Capitals that are coming back down to earth uh, after the offseason they had. Uh, Tampa Bay with Stamkos back, can they rise back up uh, to that elite level? And Toronto's fascinating. They have a really great group of young forwards uh, with some okay defensemen. 
And if they can get a little bit of goaltending, they can be dangerous too. They gave the Capitals some fits in, in round one. So I think the Penguins uh, can certainly compete at the highest level in the Eastern Conference, but I think it's too early to call them favorites when they don't have a bottom six center. Interesting. Do you So the if you had to put a percentage on it, what would you put the percentage of the uh, Penguins uh, getting a three-peat? Oh, slim to none. There, I mean, not that I don't think they're a good team, but I just think there's so much luck and variance involved in going all the way when you factor in injuries and stuff. I think going back-to-back for the first time in the salary cap era was pretty darn impressive. And it's it would be amazing feat if they were to be able to three-peat in, in this climate. But it's... I, I'm not going to be bold and, and say they're they're going to because it's just I think the odds are stacked against almost every team. You're not going to have a good percentage of winning at all. Interesting. Yeah, when uh, Cam and I discussed before this, we were talking about actually uh, we like we don't we can't honestly think of a team that is going to compete with them outside of the Capitals. But you also did bring up the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to climb their way back into the playoffs. Do, do you think that they're is a better team in the Atlantic or do you think that they're the class of that uh, division? Uh, I think them in Toronto for sure. Montreal, I think is a step below that. Uh, Carey Price will have to be Vesna Carey Price to, to float some of the, uh, I mean, losing Radulov is, I, I can understand why they didn't want to give him the contract, but that doesn't help them mm-hmm. in the 2017, 18 season because he was very good for them. Uh, Jonathan Druin should help, but they do need help on defense, and it'll be interesting to see how Sergachev does in Tampa Bay and how that trade shakes out. True, true, and they also seem that for whatever reason the Canadians have been like piling up bottom pairing defensemen, like they're it's candy or something. So I don't know what the heck they're uh, they're doing there, but I, I think the Lightning will be an interesting club just for the fact that. You know, Stan Coast is going to be back for a full season, and they were able to compete last year even a little bit without him. And uh, he's such a difference maker, and you always forget about him because of how much he's been injured the past few years. That they're they're a club that you always have to watch out for. Uh, a team last year that I think uh, you know surprised a lot of people was the uh, Ottawa Senators, and the way that they played under Guy Boucher, it was a bit of a miracle run. Was do you think that was smoke and mirrors, or do you think that they have a system in place? that you know can really compete again i know they took the penguins last year uh you know pretty darn far down the line uh, are you a believer in the senators or do you think that they're just a team that you know right place right time well i mean they were one lucky bounce away from playing in the final so i don't want to really be uh, a jerk about it but I, I do think maybe <laughs> right place right time pittsburgh had a real struggle uh in the possession department pretty much every series in the playoffs except for one and it happened to be the ottawa series so i i think eric carlson's the best defenseman in the league i thought craig anderson gave him good goaltending but when you look past that i mean i do like hoffman and stone but clark MacArthur is not cleared to play right now again i i know you shouldn't rely on somebody that's in his situation but he's a good player when he was healthy yeah they lose that I just um, I don't see it yeah. as far as a contender. I, I don't see it either. And it, what's interesting is a lot of people are, uh, you know, 
saying that they may even miss the playoffs, which seems crazy, but it it, it feels right when you like look down at the lineup and you see what the lineup looks like without a lot of these injured players. And you're like, you know, can these Mark Stones, Mike Hoffman's really carry them? And it doesn't seem like that's, that's going to be the case. Now, uh, and Carlson's hurt too. It's not yeah. like, and and what really without Carlson there, what's separating them from Buffalo? No. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. And I, I think it's interesting because Carlson takes them on another level. He, when they have a bad possession night, he's the one that will throw a miracle pass and somehow they uh, end up that getting That saucer pass last year was absurd. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the, one, I, the, the one from, like, his own end that just landed without almost – it barely bounced and it was tape to tape. That was – that was pretty good. It's unbelievable. I think Line had a pass like that. They obviously, we're previewing Eastern Conference, but Line had a pass like that the other night. I think it was uh, to Petten, or maybe it was Ehlers. But it, it, whatever reason, the skill that's coming into this league, league is outstanding. And I watching Eric Carlson is an absolute joy. Uh, another team that I think that is going to be interesting. I have you know Senators. People have them trending down. Uh, Hurricanes kind of trending up. They've had great underlying numbers these past few years, and they finally got a goalie in Scott Darling. You and I both know, obviously, uh, myself writing about the Blue Jackets and you writing about the Penguins, how tough the Metro Division is. Do you think that they can get into the playoffs, or is the Metro Division you know, too darn tough for them to make a strong jump into it? Uh, I think they can make it. On our podcast, we had them fourth, both uh, me and Cameron. So I think they can. They have some interesting younger forwards that are kind of coming into their own. I believe Aho and Lindholm. Their defense core is pretty darn good. And Scott Darling is not Cam Ward. If they get average goaltending, and I'm not even looking for above average, like just mm-hmm. basic goaltending, what it would do for them, because they've been hovering around the league bottom, despite having, as you mentioned, good possession numbers. Uh, also guy like Jordan Stahl, they finally gave him quality a teammate and he was pushing top line even strength points numbers. So if you – Jordan Stahl's uh, – if you – well, we don't have hockey analysis anymore. But uh, I, I suppose when Corsica comes back, you could look at his most common line mates each year since – even since Pittsburgh. It's it's sad. <laughs> sad for him. And he finally got a little bit of help last year. And lo and behold, he started putting up points uh, as well as being, a, in my opinion, a selkie caliber defender. For sure. For sure. Now, you, you're not going to offend me if you say it's the Blue Jackets, but who do you think that they knock out of the playoff picture? Uh, right now I have Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus, and Carolina. Interesting. So do you think it's going to be 4-4 four and four, uh, on each side? Well, you know... It's tough to predict the five and three mm-hmm. because last year the Atlantic sucked and the Metro <laughs> was awesome and it was four and four, right? Was it? I believe so. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I know the Rangers made it. I know. Uh, I know the Capitals and Leafs had a, like a crossover. Yeah. But wasn't that because it was like the second wild card or I, whatever? I believe so, yeah. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto. I can't think of the fifth, uh, if there is a fifth team for the. Uh, the Metro Division. Maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> anyway, because obviously the Devils didn't make it, Flyers didn't make it, Islanders didn't make it, so it was, and the Hurricanes. So I'm trying to think of the fourth team. Anyway, uh, do you? Uh, so it's, yeah, like I was saying, it was, it was tough to really uh, predict that, but I think that I feel like on my end, at least one of my predictions that I've had this year, that it's going to be a five. Uh, 
five-team Metro Division, and I'm wondering who it's going to be because I always predict uh, the Rangers to uh, you know make the the playoffs. But I feel like the drop-off is going to be steep. Shattenkirk's added. Uh, you know, Stepan's gone. Ranta's gone. Do you think that this is finally going to be the year where Lundqvist has a little bit of a drop-off and the Rangers miss it? I thought he had a little bit of a drop-off last year, but when we're talking a little bit of a drop-off from awesome, you know, it's it's still okay. Uh, I had, I think the Rangers are like that fifth-place-ish team that mm-hmm. could go up. They could certainly go to fourth, uh, in my opinion. I, but I wouldn't undersell the Shattenkirk for Girardi upgrade. Yeah. Because that's um, – Ryan McDonough is now going to be a, a function – he was a functional player. He might be a very good player now mm-hmm. because he's just not dragging somebody that, you know, can't play around. So – I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of that pairing. I think the subtraction of Girardi is going to end up being a net positive there. Obviously, they still have Mark Stahl, who you know uh, is questionable at best there. So I and then I always did, I always count them out. I always count the Rangers out, and they always end up with like 103 points. And I look at it, and I'm I'm always completely unsure of how it happens. And it's always Lundqvist is the one who takes them there. And at some point, the guy's got to you know like, you know a little a slip in his armor, and that they're going to be able to. Uh, uh, you know, drop off, but it always. I I think it was, I'm not even kidding. The past three years, I've predicted that to happen, and I'm not entirely sure <laughs> that it ever is. But on the uh, you know, in that area as well, obviously there's the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they they uh, have the number one overall pick with Nico Heischer. Do you think that the New Jersey Devils will be able to make the playoffs before the end of Taylor Hall's contract? Do you think they have enough pieces there? When I was taking a look at him, it seems like it's not going to happen before the end of that contract in a few years here. Taylor Hall. Man, what bad luck. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, honestly, he's amazing, and he played on. he's playing on just garbage teams. Uh, boy, okay, so he's got this year and then two more. Mm-hmm. It's it, The landscape can change really quick, especially like Ray Shero, uh, for all, you know, he deserves some criticism in Pittsburgh, but one of the things he did well was he doesn't really lose big trades normally. Mm-mm. So if he were able to swing one of those again, I mean, Johansson, that's great. Hall was great, but he's got guys like Zajac that are just eating up close to six mil, not giving you six mil worth. Uh, I mean, he sure, Zaka, that's all fine and good, but they're going to have to keep adding. I mean, the defense core is pretty garbage. Mm-hmm. They they added Butcher and they uh you know they have Severson there who's doing okay, but they're st- they still have people like John Moore and uh and you're just kind of thinking to yourself, what in the heck is going? Ben Lovejoy. Yeah, you know it, what what's going on with that unit and why do they they keep uh you know doing that. it's it, it doesn't make much sense but i think that this is going to be another year where they're going to have to tank and maybe end up uh, burning a year off Heischer's contract because he's do, been doing pretty well this preseason now i'm gonna be remiss if i don't ask about my team the blue jackets where do you think their ceiling is and where do you think that their floor is as a team i i thought last year was an interesting series uh, against the Penguins because they outshot them a lot of times, but the scoring chance advantage was really in the uh, Penguins' favor as you know Bobrovsky kind of faltered down the stretch. Are are you bullish on them or are you uh, are you you know backing off of, of the Blue Jackets? I don't think I'm moving at 
all with them. I think they're <laughs> clearly they they got some good parts here. The Panarin Sod trade. The only thing I'll say about that is I think at best it's neutral, and the reason I'm going to say that you had a good power play last year, right? Yeah, uh, pretty good. So <laughs> Panarin, he's kind of, his specialty is is. And I'm not. Uh, I don't mean that he's a power play specialist. Yeah. Obviously, he can play, mm-hmm. but his specialty is on the power play. So, what is the gain, the net gain there? Because I thought Sod was a really good five-on-five player, and I think if that if that is where Sod's better than Panarin. So you added marginally to a strength, but what did it do to um, the five v five? So that that was my opinion as well. Saad was always, you know, is a fantastic five v five scorer. Uh, and Saad didn't even, uh, you know, he played on the second unit, but there's also uh, for the power play. But a lot of times he was ended up knocked off that unit. And I think, you know, I believe you had like less than five points total on that unit. When you take a look at what Panarin put up, and it was you know an upwards of twenty. There, there's a big difference to be had there, and you're not. And you trying to make that up, and when you go to the playoffs, because that's a big reason of why they added him is that they thought he was going to be a dynamic player. You're not going to get that many chances on the power play anyway. But I guess the thought there is that they're going to be able to take advantage if they do have him out there on that first unit. But then again, they had someone like, uh, you know, they had someone like. Um, oh, I apologize. They had someone like Gagne, who's uh, you know would assume a similar similar role, and he was putting up uh, insane numbers for a fraction of the price. So you're 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 trying to think of what they're trying they're doing. Dubois added; they're going to more than likely add Milano, with who's had a strong preseason. So they have some offensive players that are going to be there, but they're also young. And how are they going to react when they get to the playoff time? And when you're going up, people like you know Crosby or Ovechkin. It's- well, the the playoffs. It's, what what a garbage first round like matchup the Columbus Blue Jackets got. You know, trust me. It was- I, I hate. I hate. I detest this setup. I hate divisions. Like, there's no need for them anymore. No, I, it's it, it was it was sad for me as a Blue Jackets fan and a writer because you're like, all right, you're running into this buzzsaw that is the Penguins. No matter what they do, even if you know they have some players, because I thought a real advantage last year for them was on the defensive end. But then they, obviously Wierenski got hurt, and I think that was where a lot of people were able to take advantage of the Penguins was with that defensive unit and. It, yeah, for the, sure. The, 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 but the problem is when you have Kessel, Crosby, and Malkin, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> they're they're always going to you know take take and them to Gensel the woodshed. And Cheery exactly playing above their oh, yeah. what you know above their cap hits and it is, it is yeah. unbelievable. But I I and it's going to be interesting to me to see if those teams like if they end up facing off again and see if there's going to be any changes, especially with you know Sullivan and Tortorella you know, their past together, if there's going to be uh, any gamesmanship and things like that. Now, one one last team I want to discuss with you before I let you go, and I, I appreciate your time, Ryan, is uh, the Islanders. They're, they're such an odd team to me. They add Eberle. Tavares is going to be a, a UFA after next year, and they're not really sure what they're going to do with them, and they have a arena situation. That's, <laughs> I can tell you what he should do. Yeah, exactly. Get the hell out of there. Yeah, but... <laughs> There, do you think that they're a make a make the playoffs or bust type team? I think that there would, a sell off would be possible at the deadline there. Or what do you think that they 
their process should be moving forward because they're in such a tenuous situation. I'm not really sure where they they could, you know, move from here other than selling off if they're not doing well by the trade deadline. Well, I think they're kind of in a place they should be with a GM that's all over the place. You got an <laughs> all over the place roster. That's true. Um, yeah, I get I get the Everly trade. I don't have a problem with them giving up Strom for it. Uh, it's it's clearly a move of hey hey John here's something to work with finally, but it might be too little too late. Like they don't even have a home rink. No, it's such a crappy situation to to you know John Tavares being the face of the franchise has to put a smile on and, and act like you know everything's great, but it's not. And Andrew Ladd signed until who knows forever. <laughs> <laughs> 2024 maybe something like that he had a miserable first year in that contract he's already past 30 i mean i don't want to hate on my rochester boys here shane prince and steven gianta but they're not going to make you know too much of a difference Mm -hmm. and and it's a shame because i think i mean as a blue jacket fan you know don't really have uh you know that that much attendance clout to you know really say anything but when you only are able to fit about 13,000 fans in that arena it is not much of a uh, of a home ice advantage and you saw it a lot of times last year that they weren't necessarily the the best on that that sheet ice and you're you're worried about the state of the franchise what they're going to do if they're going to you know move to a different place they're they're looking are they back in brooklyn i don't think they are I, well, I, I that's the thing is that they're I mean, last year they were. I mean, I mean, but I'm saying like the uh, the unsure nature of w- what they're doing moving forward is, uh, I think, troubling uh, in the very least. And as a franchise, you, you can't enjoy it. And if Tavares goes elsewhere, you're you're screwed. How can, how can he not? Oh, I, I I agree. I don't know why he would stay unless they throw something What's like there? David He's... money for him. Yeah, but... Okay, <laughs> who's not going to give him ten plus? Anyways, here you take. Well, I know mon- that's a lot of money. I say it, <laughs> you know. <it's, laughs> no, we we always legit money. Yeah, and we but, talk about sports. We always talk about like you know ten million dollars flippantly. So I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but like he could go anywhere, really. No, he could probably not Pittsburgh. They can't pay mm. another center ten million, but. <laughs> And, and he could, and I think the I'm not I, I know Toronto is always the one that gets circled there, but can you just even imagine uh, that uh, like you know everyone talks about the way that Stamkos would have taken a discounted rate, you know, to, to, for all the sponsorship stuff that we'd be doing there, but like Tavares is right up there as well. Is that he'd put up like eighty ninety points, and if they do that, that's just as good I, as what I the think Penguins he's put better before. than Stamkos to be honest. Really. That's that's a that's a debate that we're gonna you know I, for another time. I think um, Stamkos is a better um, sniper. Mm-hmm. Like he can finish like no other. But uh, overall, like I think John adds more to driving play forward and playmaking than Stamkos does. I could I could get behind that. I could get behind that. Let me see who has cap space. Well, I think inter- Nashville would be interesting. They would, and Nashville. I mean, heck. Uh, Benino, and then uh, obviously they had Johansson re-upped there. They're an interesting team because they they have young pieces and they still have a lot of cap room and their defense is signed until they forever. They just get rid of Rene's contract. Hello, John Tavares. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a compelling uh, – uh, that's if another I'm podcast him, for another day. That. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, just, uh, I just I was glancing through the team as I'm like, 
who needs a center and and is good that could entice him and and it has a cool city and I guess the defending Western Conference champs there fit the bill there. They would not be a bad spot. Well, Ryan, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to let you plug uh, anything where we can find you on Twitter. Uh, you know your podcast itself, and um, then we'll let you go. All right, uh, hockeybuzz.com for my Penguins articles. I suppose hockeyhurts.com for my more controversial ones. Uh, Hockey Hurts podcast. So if you type that into iTunes, you should be able to find it pretty easily. We try to record weekly, but our international schedule uh, can be a little bit uh, difficult at times with our time zones because Cam's in Perth, Australia, so a 12 hour difference makes it interesting one of us is usually drinking while the other is drinking coffee <laughs> love it so awesome well ryan i appreciate you coming on today and we'll talk again soon all right thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>